This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 121, and it's the next installment of Music Memories. And today I am joined once again by my friend and co-host of the Super Cast, which is also on the VOW network. It's Damon McDonald. Hello, Damon. Hi, everyone. This is uh, always a thrill. I always, when, when Andrew texts, like, I, I'll... I, I'll shuffle around some shit <laughs> to to uh, to make sure I can I can get on because it's always fun. It's always interesting conversation. Um, so yeah, couldn't couldn't pass up the opportunity to hop on again and talk. You know, a little music, a little pro wrestling, uh, and then Andrew's again such a great idea for a show. Being able to put it put those two in a blender and have a delicious cocktail at the end. It's uh, that's right up my alley. A nice little uh, aperitif, as they say, in uh, classy society, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I'm glad you're back on here. Definitely. It's always a blast whenever you're on. Um, it's funny. Last time you were on the show was all the way back in February of last year, 2020. Oh. So before the pandemic and the shutdowns and all that. And um, it was on the Gato and Jato episode. And uh, yes. boy, howdy, did we just praise Gato and his booking, and oh, New Japan is so great, and it's awesome, and this and that, and um, you know, fast forward to nowadays, and uh, I can't say I share the same level of enthusiasm and love for New Japan as I did back then, um, as is true for many people out there, I suppose. Uh, the, the bloom is a bit off the rose, shall we say, Damon? Yeah, I mean, look, it's um, it's trying times. Trying times is like what we'll, what we'll call it, and there are highlights in there. Don't get me wrong. It's not all, we're not in the mud completely, but yeah, I mean, there are things that, and again, we, pandemic aside and all this, the, the issues of getting talent over and not over as in a professional wrestling sense, I mean, pure transportation and restrictions. Uh, it's been a struggle and it seems like they take, uh, you know, one step forward and, Things that might be out of their control, injuries or what have you, sets them back another two. And again, booking in many cases has been uh, influenced heavily by outside <laughs> forces. And and we're all left scratching our heads asking why. But uh, yeah, it's it's look, I'm not going to lie. I do a show about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And if and if Reddit has anything to do with it, we're either you know, paid by the company or we just shit on everything. So um, I feel like that means we're doing our job, right? <laughs> <laughs> Along with having an entertaining show. Um, if we could have that kind of reaction split almost 50, 50, I feel like that's, that's where, that's where we need to be. That's our sweet spot right in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but you know, among VOW, among my circle of friends online or whatever, Interest in New Japan is is down a lot compared to previous years. Um, I mean, it's gotten to the point where 
we're not doing an ebook this year after wow. like seven years in a row or whatever because there's just a little interest in it from the makers and the buyers, I guess. And and yeah, you're right, Damon. A, a good portion of this isn't really New Japan's fault. You know, the the pandemic just hit them so hard with the clap crowds and limited fans and travel issues with foreigners and whatnot. It's just you can't blame them for that kind of stuff because it's real life, you know. But at the same time, you know, all the evil and Dick Togo shenanigans have been a major turnoff for people. Um, the heavy push of Will Ospreay, which, look, I'm a big Ospreay fan. He's one of my favorite wrestlers, but I know a bunch of people who are turned off by the fact that, you know, he's being featured because they don't like him on a personal level. So there you go. Um, the KOPW trophy with all their wacky steps and... They replaced the heavyweight belt that everyone loved with this new belt that got shit on and the whole thing with the lineages and there's going to be three Wrestle Kingdoms this year for some reason with, you know, Shingo as the champion, but Osprey thinks he's still the champion and Okada has the old belt with him. It's just, there's just so much befuddlement, Damon, you know, it feels like things used to be a bit simpler, a bit easier to follow and digest and... Now it's like, you know, up is down, black is white, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. It's it's annoying, Damon, to just see all this stuff play out, you know? It is. And, you know, really the bottom line is, is that what, and again, I think the majority of our listeners would agree with the statement is, is that what made New Japan special was be, was the fact that they made things feel special. And when you lose that that feeling of this is important, this is I need to watch this. Um, whether that's a main event, whether that's a title defense, whether that's a match, whether that's a show, um, when that feeling gets diluted. And, and again, I think that was the major draw of New Japan to especially a Western audience is that importance, the feeling of, okay, this is something I need to watch. And I don't think, I think that's where people are lost. Um, people don't feel the need um, or the importance that's there the uh, to make sure they carve out time. I mean, with the world opening up the way it is, people have choices. And whether that involves professional wrestling or not, um, that might in involve other sports or other activities or family or what have you. Like New Japan needs to make sure that they produce a product that people feel is important. And if that's not the case, then... Again, people have options, and we'll and we'll turn away and and convenience, and you know there, there's a ton of factors. I mean, everything from um, something that might seem as minor as as cracking down on people sharing online content, um, or um, the fact that to this day that that New Japan world is not the easiest of sites to navigate, and you know people can just turn on a TV and watch other products very easily on national cable. Um, and I'm not saying that new Japan is in that position to do that, but again, when people have options and people don't feel the, that it is important to, to carve out time, this is, this is what you get. Yeah. I mean, for me, AEW has taken over the position that new Japan used to have for many years, which is the company I look forward to watching the most because it's hot. It's a hot promotion right now with, Big loud crowds and exciting shows and a great roster. And it's just like, I don't have that same level of enthusiasm and excitement and clamoring for New Japan that I used to. Um, I mean, that said, I list off all these complaints. I'm still watching the damn thing. You know, I, I just watched the entire G1 Climax. Power Struggle's coming up. 
Super Juniors, the 15 different Wrestle Kingdoms or whatever, I'm going to watch it because I, I can't give up on New Japan just yet, Damon. I can't. No, and, and, and you shouldn't because there's still stuff in there. There's still nuggets of gold. Don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, between Shingo um, and even Okada, who I think had a, had, had a really good tournament, and uh, even the year Hiroshi Tanahashi had, where everybody keeps you know writing him off and writing him off, and he still comes out and and delivers in a big spot. Um, Kota Ibushi, uh, I, I think, has had a solid year, even though you know he's had you know the worst luck. It seems like from a from a medical standpoint. And then you have guys like Okan, who's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think he's really good at what he does and his role. Um, there there are plenty of of bright lights um that 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 are still there you know it's just maybe not names that are you're used to seeing at the top uh, filling filling the void whether that's tamatanga whether that's chase owens whether that's um whomever you know uh, it, it's it's it certainly isn't the new japan of three years ago but you know if there's still plenty of stuff to sink your teeth into don't get me wrong yeah, I was going to say, like, no matter what booking issues there are, in ring-wise, they still have one of the best rosters on the entire planet. I mean, I look at my match of the year list, and it's just chock full of New Japan. You know, like, Osprey Shingo from Duntaku might be my favorite match of the year. And there's Okada Osprey, there's Shingo Tanahashi, there's Osprey ZSJ, Naito Ibushi, Shingo Cobb, Shingo Ishii. The list goes on and on and on. Um, I mean, the roster is just still very stacked. Especially with the American side on New Japan Strong with, like, you know, Fredericks and Coglin and Connors, Tom Lawler, Narita and Uemura over there. It's like when the pandemic clears up and the roster can be as full as it can be with full crowds that can make noise with goddamn Shibata back in the mix, for God's sake. Like, I, I do have that hope that this company can be what it once was in my eyes. Will they be able to get back all of the Western interest that they lost over the past two years or whatever? I don't know. Especially with AEW, they're taking up a lot of that interest. But again, Damon, I can't help but have at least a little bit of hope. Because as you mentioned, New Japan have come back from far worse. Oh, yeah. We know this. So Lord willing, they can bounce back again, Damon. From a creative standpoint, they absolutely have. Again, I don't think that the company is... I mean, the company's had some down financial years. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think, I don't think they've... If, you know, this is this has been a very unique two years from a you know what's on the bank ledger kind of point of view, um, and this is a company that is primarily driven by attendance. And when you take that away, I mean, they're not getting rich on New Japan World, that's for sure. Um, when you take that away, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's. I mean, they are backed by a a large conglomerate of gaming and anime and all that stuff that they're that they're mostly financially involved in, but, you know, you take, you take away the live crowds and that gate, you know, sometimes you wonder how they're even able to, uh, I'm surprised that they, they're even doing what they're doing, you know, at, at certain points of last year and this year, um, you know, I was surprised that they were, were, were even running and, and in periods of it, they weren't. So there you go. Yep. Well, before we get to the episode proper here, Damon, uh, I do have one more bone to pick with New Japan, uh -oh. and it's music-related, because okay. every year New Japan puts out an album of entrance music, and there's been a lot of newer music in the company over the past year and a half or so. Evil, Osprey, Great Okan, Hanare, 
Sho, Yo, Master Watto, of course, and you would think that by now all these songs would be available on an album, or at least digital perhaps, but they're not. And let me tell you something there, Damon, I don't like that. I don't like that one goddamn bit. I mean, this is ridiculous. Where are these themes, Damon? Come on. Let me make a couple phone calls, Andrew. Let me, let me, let me, let me get, get on Kidani the horn. on the horn here. Come on. <laughs> let me get on the horn and uh, see if we can do to, to speed this up a little bit, this process. So I, I don't want to. I don't want to see you upset, and I don't want to hear uh, in your voice. So I'm gonna. I want you to have a magical holiday season. So uh, let me <laughs> let me get on the horn and see if we can get this taken care of. For you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, they, they did put Osprey's theme on YouTube, which is something. And um, look, hypothetically speaking, if we wanted to do a third grab bag episode, we could. We have enough themes for that. But in my mind, that episode would include Evil's theme. It would include the Great Khan's theme because those are significant themes to me. But we don't have them, <laughs> at least not officially. I know there are fan edits on YouTube or whatever, but... Again, Damon, it's just it's one more thing to be annoyed about in this day and age with New Japan. Yeah, it's one of those things where you know you're left scratching your head. You want to be an international company. You want to be, you know, you want to to profit from other places outside of Japan. These are the things that you kind of have to do um, and be consistent in doing. Um, there's a lot of red tape in that too, though. I mean, there really is. It's, you'd be surprised how difficult some of the stuff that again here in the states you would just think, okay, just do it. Uh, a, lot, a lot of hoops you got to go through. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, they should have it out. It should be already out. So, yeah, I agree. Mm. I guess I'm spoiled by AEW putting up their music so quickly. All so. right, you and your AEW. <laughs> what are you, the back girl or something? Digging the knife in further, India. There you go. <laughs> That's all right. Well, um, in any event, let's get to today's episode here. And uh, this is a music memories episode. We did this the first time with Rich Krejci a few months ago, and uh, this is where I have on a guest, and they give me three memories from their wrestling fandom that are strongly linked to music in some way. It could be a theme heard on a show, or from a wrestling game, or a movie or TV show that's about wrestling, perhaps, whatever it may be, and we're not going to analyze the music like we normally do. Uh, this is more of a casual conversation about these memories and these songs and whatnot. So, uh, Damon, what is your first music memory? Excellent. First of all, what a great idea because um, I am a big music guy. Uh, as anyone who listens to the Jcast knows, I, I do. I do like my music, and I do like a certain kind, and and it's pretty, pretty uh, out there with my tastes. Um, and my wife like, will be in the car, and it might be a song that might kind of fall outside of the the normal Blur, Oasis, Duran Duran, <laughs> you know, suede genre um and she'll look at me with uh, a strange look and scrunch up her nose and what are you what is this and then it'll dawn dawn on her ah this is this is one of those wrestling songs right and, yep that's exactly <laughs> right that's exactly right uh so i have i have many of them so it was very hard to pick three to be truthful um uh, but i did um and i started off the first one i sent over uh is a, a group called animotion from the 80s uh and they had a uh, a bit of a hit with a song called obsession um and it's a very you'll hear very synth pop heavy um but uh the reason i don't know if you want to play the song first or you want to you want to go into it and then i'll explain or or do you want me to just explain first andrew oh uh, let's play a little bit of it here all right let's play a little bit of it here 
So, I mean, you know, as you could hear, this is 80s influence, and obviously Young Damon, who uh, uh, was heavily influenced by the 80s music scene. This is it. But, but growing up in, in the Philadelphia area, we, you know, of course, had the WWF syndicated shows. And the WWF would use liberally before, you know, copyright strikes and you couldn't use, you know, actual music that was, you know, on the radio. Uh, and, and again, wrestling felt they had the right and was carte blanche to use whatever they wanted. Um, this is one of those songs. And it was a toss up between this song that they would use all the time when they would do um, live, like uh, event hype videos. I'm sure you, you've seen them online with O'Curl and he would bring in. Oh, I don't know. Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov in Philadelphia, you know, Tuesday, you know, Saturday night, August 15th, Nikolai Volkov and the Sheik against Slaughter and, you know, Junkyard Dog. Uh, and as they were ready to go to commercial and, and Gene's laying on the hype, you know, all right, we'll see you there. Nikolai Volkov, get out of here, you know, whatever. Boom, they're leading the music. And almost every time it was either that song. Right? Or it was Eddie Murphy's party all the time, <laughs> all like like every time. And I just recently listened to party all the time. I you know I just had like an eighty shuffle mix, and uh, I was like, oh my god, yes! And it just instantly takes you back to watching WWF syndicated shows, superstars or challenge uh, when they have the localized interviews. Um, also. I think it was the first year. It might have been the first two years, Andrew, that they would use that tune for Saturday Night's main event. And I just remember being, yeah, just being like so hyped for Saturday Night's main event. Um, you know, I would have toothpicks in my eyes trying to stay up as a young kid, but it was like it was you. You had to stay up because again, you couldn't watch it on demand. You you had VCRs, but they were never reliable to set the timer and have a like actually work um so yeah i mean like those that song anytime it's on and again you know i'm listening to a lot of 80s music because i'm old uh and that, when that's in the mix boom i'm right there on the couch watching syndicated wwf yeah to me this song is first and foremost the saturday night's main event theme like it comes on the radio in my car and i think of that show right away and um it's funny you brought up party all the time I forgot that they would play a closing song at the end of the shows that was different than the main theme. And I looked up the ones for Saturday Night's main event, uh, and they used, like, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, yeah. uh, Monster Mash okay. for a Halloween episode, uh, Walk of Life by sure. Dire Straits. Modern um, Love, right? Did they use Modern Love once or twice? Higher Love by Steve Winwood. Ah, okay. There you go. Good. Yeah, yeah. But the one they used the most was Take Me Home by Phil Collins which is one of my favorite Phil Collins songs. So, yeah, this was a time period where they could use all these big songs all willy-nilly. You know, um, 85 to 88 was uh, the Obsession run as that theme and all these closing songs. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an 80s classic, that's for sure. Quintessentially 80s in sound. And um, fun fact, it's also a cover. Yes. Because the original was done by Michael DeBar and Holly Knight. And then Animotion did their version of it, which, uh, again, is... It's peak 80s, that's for sure, Damon. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Um, so two fun facts that no one will give a shit about. Uh, one is uh, Michael DeBar. So Robert Palmer was the original singer of the uh, 80s power group, Power Station, led by the great John Taylor and Andy Taylor. Uh, Robert Palmer, who did Addicted to Love, 
was the singer of Power Station. And then they were they didn't plan on touring, but then they were they were like, all right, we're going to tour. And Robert Power was like, I'm not touring. So they hired Michael DeBar. So that's how I knew that. And I knew Michael DeBar, uh, who sang at Live Aid, my first concert. Uh, second was uh, when I was younger. When I was a when I was a young boy, I'm going to give you a young boy. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> uh, there was a show, and it was either Fantasy Island or it was The Love Boat, one of the two. But they were hyping up the you know for the commercials. They were hyping up. Um, it was about a stripper. Mm-hmm. So as a young boy, I was like, "Ooh, a stripper! <laughs> oh, maybe I'll see a, a naked woman." And uh, I stayed up very late. For me, I was I was a very young boy. Uh, stayed very late with the with the prospect of seeing a um, a young lady in the nude, uh, and so she had this dance routine, and obviously I did not see anything. There was nothing scandalous on Love Boat uh, or Fantasy on whatever the show it was, uh, but the song that she danced to was this Obsession by Animotion. So uh, it also has a little little naughtiness in my head of, of of thinking i'm going to see something that i certainly saw nothing of uh, i had to wait to porkies to see that <laughs> oh well, you're definitely getting something naughty in porkies yeah yeah so it's the first time it was the first time i've seen uh, the female form if you will uh what a shock <laughs> what a i was like what's going on down there <laughs> uh yes so uh yeah the uh animation that has two uh significant memories for me today there Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, bringing it back around to Saturday Night's Main Event, um, obviously I never watched the original run when it was on because I wasn't born yet. <laughs> but um, they did bring it back as a reboot for a few episodes in 2006, 07, 08, that kind of time period. And uh, the theme they used for it wasn't Obsession, but rather they used Boom by P.O.D. So <laughs> to go from Animotion to uh, P.O.D. is uh, quite the leap there in, in genres. But uh, look, it's the mid-2000s. WWE has firmly embraced new metal at this point. So it it is what it is. So um, that that's my Saturday Night's Main Event theme there, Damon. <laughs> nice. Very good. I love it. And listen, uh, I like the fact that they at least tried to stay current. I, I think it would be a bad yeah. idea if they used Animotion as an obsession, <laughs> you know, going into that 2000 year. So, yeah, good call by them. Well, that's music memory number one. Uh, what is your number two memory, Damon? Number two, uh, I'll go in order that I sent them. So this song, um, truth be told, I didn't really know it was a legitimate and I put an air quote song uh, until much, much after the fact um, it was used as, and, and originally I knew it as um, Hiroshi Hase's theme song. Um, and it was so ridiculous and so outlandish with this just ridiculous saxophone, a seductive saxophone, dare I say, uh, that would bellow out with this guy who's a, you know, legitimate uh collegiate athlete and, and wrestler and um had a, such a, a a long uh list of accolades going into pro wrestling that i just thought the music just didn't fit the guy uh so it was such an awkward fit that it worked and i loved it and every time i heard it i was like this is the goofiest greatest music i've ever heard in my life come to find out that the song uh that was used is a again a legitimate song to uh, a movie soundtrack and it's called two hearts 
by John Parr. John Parr is very famous for St. Elmo's Fire, for uh, all you kids out there. Uh, he did the, the title track. And he also did a song called Naughty Naughty, which is the most <laughs> terrible song ever. Uh, so Two Hearts by John Parr. Uh, we'll play a little, little track of that now. That might sound familiar, so take it away. Obviously, we use that theme song as the opener to uh, our podcast, the Super J Cast, so that we kind of pinched that and use that as our theme, uh, just because, again, it is ridiculous and crazy and just doesn't fit, but we figured it was so campy and great. Uh, Joel fell in love with it the first time he heard it, and we were like, okay, let's, let's, let's rock and roll with it. Um, I forget what movie this is from, though. Um, and again, it's I called American Anthem American because the song itself is called Two Hearts, parentheses, American Anthem. That is correct. That is correct. Um, so every time I hear, you know, and even my wife, <laughs> she, when she hears the music, and this again, it's not like this is played on the radio a lot, but, you know, maybe once in a while she, it'll be on. Uh, rarely, but again, she's like, oh, we're going to listen to your dumb show. <laughs> no, <it's> the actual <laughs> song is from. Um, but it is just, yeah, John Parr is really not one of those guys that fits into the, the realm of Damon's music. Um, but, yeah, it's it's so campy, it's great. You know, you mentioned uh, the weird dichotomy between this song and Hase. The movie American Anthem is about a guy trying to make it to the Olympics as a gymnast. And uh, he's played by Mitch Gaylord, who is a real-life gymnast who was an yep. Olympic gold medalist as well. And Hase was himself in the Olympics in 84 as part of the Japanese wrestling team. So there is a connection there, Damon. Now, Hiroshi Hase in recent times uh, was in uh, Japanese government. Yep. Um, like the director of sports or some stuff, something. Uh, says here he was the minister of education, culture, sports, science, and technology. <laughs> what a great job. <laughs> right. uh, now, he did run into uh, a, a bit of a, a uh, troubling situation. Uh, where um, apparently he was involved in some sexual harassment. Um, and I, again, I don't know the full story, but at the time when that was happening, um, and it, it was coming out that you know he, he, he really made some shitty decisions um, and some shitty actions that impacted lives. Um, we were going, we, we were like, I mean, I mean, would it be the right thing to change the music? And we agreed that we would keep it. Um, but we had like a backup in the case of, you know, what it was really wasn't like nobody pressured it. Nobody's like, no, you playing this music. This is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But in our minds, we were like, is this, you know, do we want this to be out there? Um, so there was there was a couple of weeks where we we were going to we were going to switch it. Um, 
I mean, listen, I feel like it's more associated with us at this point. <laughs> like, like it's ours now. Like nobody, nobody really recognizes it as Hiroshi Hase's music. But yeah, that little backstory, there was a time where it was like, all right, I mean, do we, do we change it? Um, just would that be the right thing to do? Is, is that something that we should do? Um, and um, I mean, again, I don't, I, I think like, I, the, the way it was described to us by an outside person was that music's yours now. Like nobody's thinks of it as Hiroshi Hase's music, so that music's yours. So, um, but, but like when we heard that, we we're like, all right, then then that's ours now. So, and even Kevin Kelly mentioned it one time, not the name drop, but like uh, he Hiroshi Hase came out to for some award, and um, they played his theme, and Kevin Kelly texted us <laughs> <laughs> I like, I thought you guys were coming out. <laughs> Which I thought was uh, that was kind of like another thing that was like okay that's our music now you know what I mean that that's us so um, that that felt pretty good um, that that we made that decision yeah I'll be honest when I hear that opening I don't think of you know yellow tights mustache mullet Hiroshi Hase I think of Joel going hello everyone and welcome to the Super J cast you know that's. <laughs> That's what I think of. So, as far as I'm concerned, the song is yours, my friend. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess it's funny, you know. First time you were on the show here, we played uh, the Tomiyasu Hote version of "Immigrant Song," which is Togi Makabe's theme. But it was also the theme for your old podcast, The Pearlcast, yeah. back in the day. And uh, you know, looking at again past and present themes, going from the heavy industrial aggression of "Immigrant Song." to the bright and shiny 80s cheesy goodness of John Parr. <laughs> it's a big leap there for sure. But, you know, if you're changing co-hosts, you're changing shows, and you're starting a new era of your podcast career, then, yeah, by all means, change the song, Damon. Yeah. I mean, that was a conscious decision. Um, and, and exactly as you said, you know. Um, I think the one thing that, and again, we wanted to, I had a discussion with, with Colin when, when we were ending the show, and it was a, a mutual decision to do so. Um, and he, he did have one request that, you know, like if you continue to do something, would you mind not using PureCast and, you know, just making it, you know, just a different thing. And I agree. I mean, like I said, I, th I think there was a, you know, that's the work I did with Colin. This is the work I do with Joel. Um, and, and in a, in a weird way for what it's worth, I kind of wanted to respect that. And I wanted to respect the work that Colin put into it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was... It, I don't know if it was a conscious decision to move completely away and have just like a different feel and a different song. I just think it it was luck and 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 circumstance that this was a just a goofy song that we thought would be funny to, to hear every time, <laughs> and then it just turned into something that we enjoyed. So, yeah, that's that's another little backstory. Well, if you do ever get a third show, you can always use Saint Elmo's Fire because <laughs> look, it's it's a banger of a song, and there, there's the John Parr connection right there. So there you go, Damon. Come on, <laughs> Andrew, I'm doing naughty naughty. Uh, if, I'm, I'm, if I'm taking if I'm taking another John Parr song, I'm, I'm taking naughty naughty. If you've ever seen the video, please go out of your way to watch it because it is the camp again. Camp is the is the word of the day. He has this guitar pick that he flicks in the air, and it's like all these sparks coming off it, and he like hacky sacks it back into his head like he kicks it off his heel and he like and woo, the guitar slide oh it's so awfully great john parr's naughty naughty I would that, <laughs> yes in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks 
we hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right. Well, uh, tell us, Damon, what is your third and final music memory? Um, also, something that is uh, pretty... I would say pretty far off my radar um, when it comes to what I would normally listen to. But I will say that it kind of dances kind of close to um, a little bit of my my 80s hair metal. I wouldn't say obsession, but kind of guilty pleasure. Right. So I definitely love my my 80s hair metal, my poisons, my rats, my Motley Cruz, my all that, my Tesla, uh, all of it. So. this song reminds me so much of like getting wrestling tapes and tape trading because every promotion seemed like they did a musical montage or a video piece to the song, especially when they had like bunkhouse stampedes or they wanted to promote how wild and crazy a particular wrestler was, or they had, you know, a street, fight stampede or any type of rumble where you could dress as uh come as you are right and that uh is uh free for all by the um 
man known as Ted Nugent. Never before have I turned on you when you look too good to me. The beady eyes that can cut me in two and I just can't let you be. But it's a free for all and a heart I said, you can bet your life. Stakes are high and so am I. Now, taking aside that Ted Nugent is a bit of a... Uh, uh, he's a little... Uh, uh, all right. He's, uh, he's a little, you right. know, uh, tug the collar. Uh. <laughs> Not my cup of tea. <laughs> um, needless to say, this song does... that. This is one of those songs that if it's on... And again, I'm not going out of my way to search for it, or is it on like? But if it's on like a, a you know a Spotify playlist, uh, and it comes on, this is the one. Cheryl will look at me like, "What are you listening to?" And I'm like, it's a "Little Southern, little Southern style wrestling." Uh, Memphis used this for Randy Savage, but the one I remember the most video is um, so the AWA um, late '80s. This is when Tommy Rich is in, Wahoo is in. Uh, they're doing the tapings from Las Vegas. Uh, Adrian Adonis is in, all 400 pounds of them. Um, a, a very young Paulie Dangerously is in. Uh, oh, boy. Ganya is, of course. Um, you know, that whole crew. And they would have, I guess, something to, to, to compete with when it came to uh, Dusty's bunkhouse stampede. And they had like this street fight, and uh, I remember they would hype these these street fights, and they would only come to like Minneapolis or you know Chicago, you know, Midwest cities. Um, but it seemed like every goddamn show, Andrew, they would they would have this video on hyping up, and it would be like an entire, it would be the entire length of the song. Number one, and number two, it would be, it felt like it was you're watching the entire match take place at a taping in Las Vegas. Uh, everyone's bleeding. You know, everyone's. It's like a it's like a New Jack match where the the song's <laughs> right. playing the entire way through there. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and again, AWA is not really known at this time for their production value, so it's pretty <laughs> you know low rent graphics. Uh, but I just remember the song, and again, it felt like uh, I can remember Memphis doing like I, th- I want to say it was Randy Savage. Um, they did a uh, a little video montage piece. And again, they were pretty ahead of their time when it came to these type of things. Um, I remember that. And, and even just like a general Memphis brawl kind of thing, they would show just to hype people up. But I just remember this being like a staple in all these tapes I would get, whether it be Continental or Memphis or even I think like UWF or Mid-South in that time frame. Everybody was using the song. It, it was the Southern pro wrestling we need to get over a brawl type situation video package. We're gonna plop this song on. Yeah, I can safely say that uh, I don't share a lot of political views with uh, good old Uncle Ted. 
Uh, that's for damn sure. But um, look, the man can write some banger tunes. I can't lie. And this is one of them. You know, free for all, the tone, the drive to it, it all just works so well for wrestling. And he himself works so well for wrestling. I mean, Ted Nugent is such a wild, colorful, out there, crazy kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He fits right in with the wacky, wild world of wrestling, I think. Um, I mean, he, he was, li- I mean, late 70s, early 80s. I mean, can you picture Dusty and Murdoch and all those guys, you know, <laughs> just doing 100 miles an hour down some Florida highway to get to the next town and Ted Nugent being played? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, aside from, you know, your your old time country, your Ted Nugent, I'm sure, was, was played very loudly in a very uh, not spacious Cadillac at the time, yeah. I mean, uh, most famously, uh, Kevin Von Erich in World Class would come out to Stranglehold, which is one of the coolest guitar songs of all time. Um, I mean, it's eight and a half minutes long, so it'd be a, a pretty long entrance there if played in full. But um, but yeah, that, that's what Ted Nugent brings to the table. He brings cool, badass guitar vibes. He brings very outspoken conservative values. <laughs> and uh, he brings very uncomfortable sexual innuendo, like Wang Dang Sweet Poon Tang, which <laughs> is uh, not most people's choice for a wrestling theme there, Damon, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I just remember him being a staple on early 80s MTV and to kind of counterbalance a lot of the the new romantic bands, your Adam and the Ants and Spandau Ballets and Durans and all of them. Uh, it, you know, you would have Ted Nugent on a on a on a Tarzan vine in a loincloth, you know, <laughs> swinging across the stage uh, like a wild man. Looking very much looks very much like um, uh, your AEW uh, Jungle Boy. Oh, right? don't put Jungle Boy and Ted Nugent <laughs> together. Mean, Come, like. I mean, they I mean, do, they do. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Let's not put them in the same box. Uh, politically, yes. <laughs> as we would visually. Visually, yes, I'll give you that one. Just let's lead the politics separate, okay? Exactly. <laughs> yes. um, uh, anything else about this one, Damon? I mean, it's, it's again, it's one of those songs that's, um, again, not a staple in, in the collection, but like if, if I'm talking pro wrestling, um, again, it was hard. I had plenty I could dip my toes into, but like this one, anytime I hear it, it's instant take me back to pro wrestling tape trading. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Damon, thank you so much for being here. A different kind of episode than we normally do, I know, but you were just still so great with these music memories. So thanks so much. It is my pleasure, Andrew. Always, uh, I'm a text away. Anytime you need me to pop on, I'm there. Uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Super Jcast is where you can listen to more of my ramblings about music and New Japan and everything else. Uh, I have a wonderful co-host who is funny and intelligent and witty and charming, and his name is Joel. Um, so we do one every week, and we've been doing it for a long time, and uh, people seem to enjoy it, and some people hate it. So, <laughs> again, I feel like we do a good job there. I guess we're at what? What are we? I don't even know. I don't I don't have access to our Twitter account, so I have no idea. what. It, I think it's the Super Jcast, uh, probably. Correct. Is. All right, there you go. Uh, so if you want to interact with Joel, uh, by all means, follow us along. He's, uh, again, a pretty funny, witty guy, and I think uh, uh, a good follow. There you go. That's how far removed you are from social media where 
I know your Twitter handle and you don't. And it's not even my show, for God's sake. So, Andrew, I hate social media. I don't have an account. Anyway. I'm I'm um, just in it for the memes and the tomfoolery. That's it. I, it's a silly place for sure. It's a very silly place. <laughs> and Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, just like the Super J cast is. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or other topics, you can do so at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate and click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat or Super Jcast. You'd appreciate the money, right, Damon? Yeah, I like money. Sure, absolutely. Of course, yeah. So if you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Damon, thank you again, and I'll see you around. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. For Damon McDonald, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.